It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 64 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden, in your lawn, with your trees, with your shrubs, with your flowers, controlling bugs. If you have anything that just bothers you about your efforts outdoors, if you have anything that you wish you could be a little bit better at doing and knowing what to do, you can give me a call at 404 872 0750 404-872-0750. You can also send Twitter messages through Twitter. Just put the hashtag AskWalter. Twitter ask or hashtag AskWalter. You can get your questions answered by Ashley Frasca. will read them out to me. We'll do it on the air, and you can get your questions answered by Twitter as well. And what we're going to do this morning, for most of the morning, is to focus as much as we can on questions dealing with Irma. Because there are a lot of things, a lot of outdoor nature parameter things, landscape things that need to be covered that happened as a result of the tremendous rain, tremendous wind, and all the uh, other after effects of the, of the storm, knowing now that there are still people in metro Atlanta who don't have power. I had no power for close to 48 hours, and that was... Not great. That was one of those. Uh, we we keep joking with each other in my neighborhood. We say, well, that's just a first world problem not to have power for 48 hours. There are people who haven't had power for 48 years in some parts of the, of the world. In our case, the 48 hours was enough to melt ice cream and get the things in your refrigerator, get them all out and eat them. But in my case, my specific case, we didn't have to have the melted ice cream because Walter played the hero. Oh, I was the hero when I pulled out the generator that I bought for, I think, $5 maybe seven years ago. I got this generator. Some guy said, I can't get this thing working. Anybody wants it can have it. And so I brought it to my house and piddled with it for about a year trying to get the darn thing to work. And the carburetor would get gummed up and there'd be gasoline leaking out of one of the tubes that came out of the gas tank. And I just got so frustrated with it that I finally said to myself, you know, you could convert this generator to propane rather than gasoline, and then you wouldn't ever have to worry about the gasoline leaking and the carburetor not working quite right. And so I went and I bought a little converter kit and bored a very hole, a very small hole in the side of the uh, carburetor and ran the propane adapter over to that hole and ran that to a propane tank. And lo, lo, when we had power outages for 10 hours, I said, friends, we need to to up our game a little bit here. And I went over and took the covering, the plastic off that generator that had not seen the light of day for five years easily since I put that converter on there, drug it across the street, cranked it up, second pull, that generator was going, making electricity. We plugged three refrigerators, six lamps, innumerable phone chargers, what else did we have? We had a microwave off and on as we were heating food. So we were cooking with gas and cooking with some electricity in my neighborhood right on my end of the street. So that's what I did to deal with the effects of Irma. And then when I looked outside, I took a small walk. It was still blowing pretty hard on, 
I guess it was Monday evening, and I walked outside and saw that there were still big limbs coming down out of the trees and thought, well, I better go back in my house. I better go back in and <laughs> stay safe here. I was called during the, during the evening by Mark Aram. And Mark Aram, of course, is doing a great job covering the uh, events of the hurricane, covering the weather, but also just talking to people about the hurricane, what was going on in their lives with the wind and the rain and everything. And so Mark wanted to know what I was doing. And I was eating supper knowing that at any moment that great big leaning pine tree in the back of Carl, my neighbor's yard, I was eating over at his house, that that leaning pine tree could come down and smash pretty much every room in the house, including the dining room where I was. I think you could be in the carport or the back bathroom and you'd be safe in that house when that tree comes down, knowing that all over Atlanta, trees have been bashing into people's houses all over the place. Fortunately, that leaning tree did not come down on me. We did get to eat the ice cream, and uh, I had that conversation with Mark Aram to cover that. So if you have a question about what you should do to check for trees that are still not in the greatest of shape, what to do to repair trees that have been bashed by other limbs and things falling onto them, if you have questions about what to do about your lawn, what to do about your fertilizing fescue lawn or taking care of your warm season lawns in the, in the aftermath of all the rain, if you need to know what to do about your azaleas, it got smashed. If you need to know about where to plant, what you can plant right now to replace things that have been totally wiped out. If you have questions about anything that has to do with Irma, give me a call, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 or Ask Walter, hashtag Ask Walter on Twitter. Got it? All right. Let's go to the phones. we got the phones filled up this morning already. And first comes our friend from Griffin, Georgia, our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn. You click your button right there. Welcome to Lawn and Garden, Nicole. Good morning. Miss Ray. Hey, how you doing? Fine, fine. You see, I remember when you told me that you had a generator, somebody yeah. gave it to you, and yeah. I said, good grief. But you never told us that, you know, you have to work on this and everything. But you were pretty good to, to convert that to propane. I know. It didn't take much. It's a little 50 or $80 kit, I think, that takes the propane gas and reduces pressure, then introduces it to the carburetor of the generator. It worked great. worked great. Yeah, the thing, uh, if it is, sometimes you buy one, and you would never use it. Yeah, again, exactly. You know? Exactly. I think a lot of people were persuaded. In fact, in my neighborhood, my next-door neighbor, uh, who we couldn't run an extension cord to his house after hearing hours run for oh ten or fifteen hours went out and found found one somewhere to buy, and it was about that time the power came on. So he now has a generator that he will use for the next emergency. So you didn't have no tree um, on your no property, no then? tree fell down a big limb is about it on my tree. This man uh, from a UGA say that we will lose about five percent of our tree. He was not too far off, isn't he? I saw a note last night from the DeKalb County Department of Public Safety that already, even after the storm, trees were still coming down with hardly any wind at all because their just roots were weakened, and finally a little bit of breeze or a little bit of rainfall, rainfall on the limbs, and it just gradually eased over and banged down into the road, and they had to keep repairing electric lines and keep re reopening the roads there. Even after the storm had gone, trees were still falling down. Without any roots? If you look at the root system, big old tree bomb means almost no roots. That was, that was my little hobby during this, after the storm was going out and taking pictures. I took one yesterday afternoon of a Leland Cypress. And Nicole, the Leland Cypress, that thing was easily 30 to maybe 40 feet tall. It was mature and old and big. 
and the root system was barely as big as a card table. It was barely spread out that much. And that how the, how it stood without falling down for all these years, I don't know. But it fell down. There was five next to it that all had probably the same size root system. They're still up. But it tells me that, you know, be careful if you're, if you're walking near that thing during a storm. Uh, there is... Uh, um because they get so big, the foliage gets so big, I don't know how they stand, but life do not want to die. That's exactly right. And even after a tree has been smashed, some of these trees and shrubs have been smashed by the storm with just a little bit of cleaning up, cutting off the old you know, ragged branches and things like that. They'll be able to re-sprout, recover themselves, remake foliage and limbs and things like that. Life doesn't want to be wiped out. You're right. No matter what the storm did, they're things that are still living are going to keep on living as best they can and adapt to the damage that was done. When I came back Monday afternoon, there was uh, I had a heck of a time to come back and I had a pickup truck. So I was yeah. thinking those little cars that don't wait anything <laughs> because the wind was so strong, you couldn't sure. go fa- faster than uh, 40 miles an hour. Sure, sure, sure. I was lucky there was nobody, almost nobody on the road. The difference is because in wintertime when it's cold, you can keep the food longer. Yeah, exactly. The refrigerator stays colder longer. You put your food outside, let it be frozen by the weather outside. Yeah, because you all this hard work, you put the the food for winter, you know, February, and then you said, could you all this work for nothing? Did you have any power outage at all, Nicole? About 12 hours. Yeah. And did you have to do anything to save your food? You just sort of kept it in the refrigerator and kept the doors shut? Yeah, I didn't open the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah me too. I opened twice, once to get milk and once to get something else out of, the, out of the refrigerator. Didn't open the freezer at all, knowing even though then that I had some frozen thin mint Girl Scout cookies in there. I decided just to not open the oh, no. freezer door. I don't <laughs> need them that much. Temptation, temptation. It was a very great there. temptation to open up, but I thought, no, no, got to keep the ice melting in there, keep the ice keeping my freezers, freezer cold. Well, that's good. My mother, you know, doesn't live too far from you, and uh, she, they said the light flickered a couple of times, but the lights did not go out completely at all. Uh, that I'm grateful for, because when you have an invalid mother and things that she needs, she needs oxygen, she needs to have light so they can see to take her to the bathroom and do all the other things that need to be done for someone who's an invalid. But fortunately, no power outage there for that. I'm really grateful. It was so blessed compared to other people, isn't it? I mean, you can see the the trees, the tops of the trees, even in 20-mile-an-hour, 30-mile-an-hour winds that we had, they were whipping around pretty good. And when I think to myself, 100 miles an hour down in the Caribbean, down in the Keys, down in places South Florida, wow, that would really be tough to try to... Try to keep your head, your hat on your head then and keep your house from flying away, your roof from still on your house. Man, 100 miles an hour winds, that would be major. Well, it was 62 at the airport and uh, Tampa, Naples, yeah. 145. Wow. And uh, in the Keys, probably 200 and something, I think. Yeah, it sounds exciting and it sounds like, well, I might want to stick it out. I'm here in the Keys. I don't want to stick it out of my house, my concrete house. There are a lot of people who said, I wish I hadn't done that. That was sort of dumb to try to stay in a hundred, hundred mile an hour winds. That was that was pretty crazy. Yeah, just blessed. Just pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Well, Nicole, it's six eighteen, so I got to go. But it's great talking to you. I'm glad you're safe. Glad not too much damage to you and Griffin. And we'll see you next Saturday.
Enjoy your day. See you then. It's 618. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Sometimes these, these lyrics have a lo- whole lot of trouble in a little bitty skirt. That That's a line for the ages. This is a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Hi today, 83 degrees, low tonight, 66. Right now it's 64 degrees. Mix of sun and clouds all day long. Sunday, mostly sunny all day tomorrow. High of 85, low of 67. Really the only chance of rain comes up around Wednesday this week. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got Dave in Athens, Georgia, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dave, good morning. Hey, man. Got a question about a white dogwood tree. It's about 25 years old, and Irma left it leaning toward the house at about a 20 to 25 degree angle. And I'm wondering with a tree that age, if it's worth trying to save it. Uh, None of the roots are exposed, but, but, but it is leaning. Is it still full of foliage right now? Got lots of leaves and some flower buds on it? We don't want to get rid of a tree that's looking like it wants to bloom in springtime. No, we're going to keep it. Um, but the lean on it concerns me because eventually, if it gets a little weaker on the side that it's leaning away from, then it may fall down, even though it has the leaves and, and buds on it. So do you want to try to straighten it? Would like to do that if we could. Um, how big is the trunk itself? How much diameter is the trunk itself? Uh, the diameter on the trunk, I'm going to say, is... Uh Somewhere between 9 and 12 inches at the base. And do you have a large tree or pine or something nearby that you could attach a rope to or come along or something like that? Yes, I do. I've got a red cedar tree. Okay. If you've got something to attach to that you can pull it upright, first thing to do, and this may not be quite as obvious as it is to me sometimes, but you go underneath the tree and try to scoop out a bunch of the dirt underneath it that's been loosened and fell in the rain. It's just sort of filled up the divot where the roots used to be underneath. And what you're trying to do is to give an area that the root ball can settle back down into when you pull it upright using a rope or chain or whatever you're going to do. And so don't try to pull it up without excavating under the roots on the on the bulgy side, if you will, of, yep. the, mm-hmm. of the tree there. And so excavate that out real nicely. Don't try to do anything but trim damaged roots. If you've got you know, shattered roots that have popped or something like that, trim them off. But uh, just pull it up real gradually and... Uh, let it leave it in place. Now it will need some staking, at least one stake on the side away from the lean. A good fence post or a four by four, something like that, put into the ground three feet would be a nice sturdy thing to to guy it up. And the best material I found to guy it up is either really wide nylon belting or wire that is attached to a belt. Literally that, a leather belt wrapped around the trunk real loosely and tie the wire to that. Don't put wire around the trunk because wire and a water hose and things like that really do hurt the thin bark of a dogwood tree but something wide around the trunk and attached to the stake using that so it doesn't fall down at 628 at news talk wsb this is lawn and garden and we'll be back right after news 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.36 and 64 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener. We're focusing this morning mostly on questions about Irma. Any effect that you had from the hurricane, anything you need to know about what to do after the hurricane. If you need advice, all you have to do is call 404-872-0750 or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. Ashley will keep an eye out for Twitter messages and read them out, and we'll answer those on the air as well. I noticed that this morning I smelled a little tiny smell in my backyard. It is a tea olive that is blooming right now. The one that's beside the, uh, the, the window where you pick up your food at the Chick-fil-A in Fayetteville just started blooming. So I'm noticing the little tiny flowers on tea olive or osmanthus. And so if you smell something that really, really smells good this time of year, but you just can't see, you look around and you look, there's a nice green shrub over there and doesn't seem to have any flowers on it, follow your nose. Go over and look at it. And many times there are the little bitty white flowers inside that are incredibly fragrant, each one, and they can really make the, make the landscape smell. But it's not noticeable because the flowers are so small. And if you had to prune a tea olive, I know a lot of them get a little bit too big. You don't realize they're going to get 8, 10 feet tall. But if you needed to prune them, the best time, of course, is in the wintertime after the flowers are gone. Sometimes, if you don't prune them, they'll come back and reflower in the spring. But you may have to miss that if you prune in the wintertime. But if you need to reduce the size on an osmanthus, they come back pretty vigorously like a holly would come back. So it's not a plant that you have to be careful about pruning. But if you wanted to prune it, wintertime would be best. Enjoy the flowers and the smell right now. And have a quiz in your neighborhood. Say, hey, you smell that? You know where it's coming from? Your neighbors won't know. The neighbors won't figure it out. Don is out in Douglasville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Don, good morning. Hey, how are you today? Hey, I'm fine. What's up? Um, we just recently bought a place in Douglasville that's about 10 acres. Half of it was overgrown and brushy and uh, we had it cleared recently and some of the dead trees taken out and so forth. But we want to put a pasture in there oh, uh, for horses. Yeah. And it, it's going to have to be something that's shade resistant. And so I was wondering what type of seed we should put in that area. You know, you think it's not just one seed that you put in an area because if you're going to manage this really for the horse, and that's, I'm assuming, what you want to do. You have one or two or three that you want to have some horses there, and having a horse pasture does involve managing, meaning you choose certain forages, certain grasses that will grow and give the horse something to eat all year long. And fescue is the most shade tolerant of all those grasses, but you ought to have in some of the sunnier spots, you ought to use um, something else that has a nice green growth rate in the summertime when fescue sort of peters out during that time. So a lot okay, of... I can't use fescue. <laughs> Why not? Because I have mares and I think one of them is in foal. So why not get one of the endophyte free fescues and use that? Uh, what kind? There's, the, the reason that the reproductive system on horses is problematic with fescue is most common fescue varieties have a fungus that goes in the, in the uh, 
system in the vascular system of the grass called endophyte. And so this endophyte fungus does affect the reproductive systems of mares. And so what people do instead of... Uh, instead of planting normal Kentucky 31 pasture fescue, is we get one of the endophyte-free fescues. Max-Q is one that I see advertised all the time. M-A-X-Q. Max-Q. 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 If you go to a uh, place of places you know deals with horses and horse uh, tack and things like that, they can sell you probably Max-Q very easily. And you renovate the pasture. You have to kill all the fescue that's there now and then plant the Max-Q. And if you're going to do it, now is a great time to plant fescue. Cool season lawns for fescue right now is absolutely perfect for doing that. Perfect. That's what I've. That's going to be my next question. When to plant it? Yeah. And then the Bermuda grass. If you have some sunny spots out there, there's uh, Tiff Forty Four. Uh, there's um, regular coastal Bermuda grass, or a couple of other named Bermuda grasses that do well for pasture situations. Mm-hmm. And again, this is where you go to the horse store where they have somebody there who's dealt with horse pastures before. Or, and I got something great for you now, go to my website, WalterReeves.com. Just type the word horse in the search line. Okay. And there's one page that I devoted to horse resources. And one of the things that I have is a pamphlet that the University of Georgia put out on how to manage a horse pasture. It has all the options for how to get the right amount of forage, how much you need, uh, how to fertilize, how to mow, endophyte free fescue, just all the details you need to know to get started. And that would be one place to go for something you can read and learn a little bit more about setting up the pasture for your horses. And the other one is just to call the local extension office and ask them if they have any further resources. Maybe there's somebody in the county they can refer you to that's a good horse grower and manager and can answer questions for you that I can't. Okay. So the local, local extension office or go to my website and get that horse brochure or go to the local feed store and get some advice down there and you'll have some nice looking pasture. Great because we've got, we've got the area that's in the shade and then we've got yeah. some that's out in full sun. So yeah that's that's a great idea. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, it. It's a management situation, but you can be on top of it and have a pretty pretty pasture and pretty horses, and everything will work out fine, Don. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling. We'll see you soon. Uh-huh. Have a great day. You bet. You Bye. too. We've got Mary in Douglasville who joins us. Hi, Mary. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Uh, this is not a, a, an Irma question. Right. But, but my, my lemon tree has been out all summer and beautiful, yeah. and now all the leaves are turning yellow. Ooh, that's not good. I know. If you were in Florida, this would be an Irma question because they have all the <laughs> lemon and orange and other citrus trees down there, many of which got knocked down, sadly, during the storm. Right. Um, so this is in a big pot outside, is that right? Right, a big pot. Is there any possibility that that pot filled up with water and the roots got root rot? Oh, gosh. I don't think so. Mm, I really don't. That would be the first thing I would think of. Was it the rain just kept coming and coming and coming and the root rot? No, you know, I pulled it. <clears throat> I pulled it in. I had it inside when, during the storm. Okay. Well, the best you can do at this point is to pull it out of the pot and see what the roots look like. Oh my That's goodness! That's what I would do with all the leaves yellow on it. It's probably yeah. not happy, healthy. Did it didn't get sun scald or something like that? You didn't just bring it in the house and put it outside on a real hot place on the patio or something? Well, no, you? it's it's kind of protected. Okay. But in the sun also, though, no, no, no reason, huh? But no leaves at all, is that right? Oh, no, it has all leaves, but they're yellow. How, how yellow? Pretty yellow, but they're not falling <laughs> off. They're not falling Pretty off, yellow. but they're 
I'll tell you, one thing to look for, do you have a magnifying glass you can use to see the backsides of the leaf? I could, yeah, I have Get one. something that you can really magnify the backside of the leaf and see if you see little pink critters up and down the vein. Usually they'll be right along the vein of the leaf, not spread out so much, but okay. on the vein. And these little pink critters, if you see them, could be red-spotted spider mite. That is a very common citrus, indoor citrus and outdoor citrus uh, problem. And if you have spider mites, there are natural oils you can buy from the garden center that are called natural organic oils that you use to suffocate the spider mites, if you have them. Okay. If you don't have them, there's no sense in spending your money. But uh, check for spider mites, too, because they do make leaves turn yellow, and that may be the problem as well. But I still think bringing it out of the pot, even consider repotting the thing, if you think it has some life in it that can be, can be extended by new potting soil, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's gonna be a job. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Walter. Good talking to you, Mary. Okay. Bye. Nick is uh, out in Covington in Newton County and joins us. Hey, Nick. Good morning. Hello, Walter. How you doing? Man, I'm fine. What's up? I'd like to know if you can prune a ficus tree for your sweetie pie doesn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. You, uh, Tell me how, please, the, sir. The best news of all is that no matter how ugly you make it, it will recover. Ficus trees are famous for being... Really? Yeah, fast recovery. They'll cover over the ugly stubs and things you leave. They'll cover over with leaves pretty quickly. Given a little sunshine, their leaves come now, right seriously, back. seriously, this is an 83... Ficus and it's about ten feet tall and wow. it's really hard. It's like three hundred pounds. Wow! How you keep it inside all the time, right? Uh, or do you bring it? It, it out? rolls out in the summer, but wow. it's killing me. Wow! Yeah, here's what I would do. I would get a little roll of red yarn or ribbon or something like that, and tie little bows around the places where you intend to prune before you do the pruning. And if your sweetie is nearby, get her approval and say, would you prune right here? Would you prune right there? Would you prune right there? And with the ribbon able to sort of mark off where the limbs are going to be gone, they'll tell you the ones that will give it still the symmetrical, nice look that you want and make it a little smaller so it's easier to move back and forth from the house to the patio. It really needs wheels. Well, you know, I'm sure you can go to the Home Depot or Lowe's and get you some wheels and put a little platform on it. They actually sell those some But seriously, places. you know, when you cut it, and she is fully convinced it will die when the milky no, stuff no, comes no, no, out. No, no, no. Yeah, know? I know the milky blood, if you want to call it that. The sap comes out of the ficus tree, but it does not hurt the tree particularly. It's just natural sap is white latex, and so it comes out and drips on the floor and makes a mess that way, but it doesn't kill the tree. Really? No. So it can be trimmed? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I love you, man. <laughs> the feeling is mutual. Thanks for saying that, Thank Nick. you very much, Walter. All right, we'll see you soon, Nick. Thanks for calling. All right, buddy. It is 647 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Tonight we ride, 
quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high will be 83 degrees, low overnight 66, and a mix of sun and clouds all day long. Not much chance of rain, of course. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. On Sunday, high 85, low 67. And the really first chance for rain comes around Wednesday this week. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Steve is out in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Steve, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? So, it looks like Irma did a number on my emerald green arborvitaes. Mm. Got a couple of one on each corner of the house. They're yeah. probably 20 foot high, and now they're leaning at about uh, maybe a 20 degree angle. Mm. So, yeah. I wonder if those could be winched back up successfully and tied off. Possibly. <laughs> um, wow, 20 feet. That's a big arborvitae. And yeah, the, it's about. They're planted how close to how close to the foundation of the house are they? <laughs> about three feet. Who planted those, Steve? Me. They yeah, that's what I thought. Back when they're little bitty things, you thought, "Oh, three feet, that's great." I'll put this arborvitae right here. Yeah, and so there's like a foot between the uh, outer rim of them and the house now. Yeah. My straight advice is, eventually, eventually, you'll say, "Man, I wish I'd." taking those out back in 2017 and put something a little further away from the house that wouldn't be so compromised with the root anchoring, because that's what you got. The roots oh, okay. are so okay. close okay. to that's the that's what it's doing. It can't get a good anchor because they're so close. Right there. Um, so okay. one solution is to pull them out and replace them with something that's a little better suited size-wise and anchoring-wise away from the house. Another solution, I'm not going to exclude this one, would be to put anchor bolts into the... I hope your house is brick and not frame, but it could be the frame, too. It puts some anchoring into the side of the house and very slowly, with big wide nylon bands or belts or something, pull it up straight, anchor it so it can't fall away, and hopefully it doesn't pull the house down to <laughs> the next storm. Uh, you get to choose there. Yeah. Uh, sounds like those guys may be coming out of there. Well, In the ultimate sense, you're, that's probably the wisest thing to do. They're just too close to the house, and they're always going to be compromised for their anchoring. Oh, okay, because it, it is fine. I've got three of them, one on each corner. Yeah. Uh, actually, all four corners are leaning. So yeah, they all yeah. got the number of firearms. Yeah, I, okay. I think they're telling you a story, Steve. You just have to open your ears to listen to it. I believe you're right. Thank you, Walter. Is. Thanks for calling, Steve. Don't forget that tomorrow, Sunday, you get your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I will wake up tomorrow morning around 7.30 or 8. I will... Go out to the front door, I'll open it up, I'll look around both sides to see if there's anybody walking in the street, because I might not have many clothes on. I'll reach out real quickly and grab my Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution to see what the coverage is of the damage he's done by Irma, and also get the hundreds of dollars worth of coupons and leaf through them and see if there's anything there that I need to save some money. Tomorrow, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday edition on your doorstep if you have home delivery. It's 6.57 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.